Good morning, church. Well, a new day today, and we're grateful for that. The Lord's mercies are new every morning, and uh, maybe a bit under a different set of circumstances, but nonetheless, the Lord's will will prevail, and uh, His word will go out. And so, I'm very excited uh, for what the Lord is going to do this morning through His word, and we're going to continue on in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, this morning we find ourselves in Acts chapter 12, and we'll be going through verses 12 through 17. So when you get there, I'll give you a few moments. I'll go ahead and, and read the scriptures, and we'll pray uh, for uh, the Holy Spirit to take hold of uh, this time that we have together. All right, Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 12. And it says, When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioned to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Excuse me, out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again for just the opportunity to uh, hear from you, Lord, to, to glean from your word, Lord, to study your word. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, the text would come alive to us this morning and that we would just truly understand what you are trying to convey to us through the scriptures, Lord. We want to acknowledge you. We want to acknowledge your son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would take control now and that you would have your way. Help us to be attentive. Help us to uh, gain uh, insight in all the different things that you have for us this morning and give us the ability to apply what we learn uh, in this portion of scripture to our lives personally and that we would share the love and the light of Jesus Christ to those around us. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. So today we're continuing to move on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 12. We'll, we will actually see what happens to Peter as he's been delivered from prison. I've entitled this message, Faith Speaks Up. And, I mean, this just struck me because... People tend to speak up when they are moved by an experience. Something resonates deep within them. Uh, you, you look at the current state of, of just the world right now and, and use the example of the coronavirus, uh, uh, whether people are, are sound in their faith and they're speaking up more about Christ, whether people don't know the Lord and they're, and they're in panic mode and they're, 
you know, they're buying all the different things they can buy because they're trying to prepare themselves for some kind of quarantine or some kind of extended time not being able to go outside. Uh, you know, people are speaking up about this because this is something that's riveted all of society, no matter what culture you're in. It's a pandemic, what they call it, meaning it's a worldwide uh, thing. And, and people are speaking up because this is something that's uh, this is an experience that's moved them and something that resonates deep within all of us as human beings. But the great thing about this, not about the coronavirus, but about this passage and about our Lord is that our faith in God should move us to speak up. Our faith in Jesus Christ, the experiences that we've had with Christ intervening in our lives should cause us to share the truth and share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. The whole concept of speaking up can be looked at, if I can coin the, 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 the phrase from, from the Bible, as a double-edged sword of some sort. Because on one hand, speaking up in faith, led by the Holy Spirit, can encourage and motivate not only the person that's speaking up, but all those around that have a heart and have an ear to listen to the speaker, to the person, to the per the, the person being used as, uh, by God as a vehicle to share this truth. It can be something that's very motivational and, and encouraging to others. But on the other hand, speaking up, if not led by the Holy Spirit and speaking up led by our flesh can can be destructive. And, and we know this. Uh, the, the Bible speaks clearly about how, uh, you know, uh, the tongue and, and, and to tame the tongue. If you could if I could tame my tongue, I can control my whole body. And uh, this is so true. Uh, speaking of, you know, ourselves and how we speak up. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 Verse 34 tells us clearly, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so this is uh, another example of why we want the Lord to do a cleansing of our hearts and, and a renewing of our mind daily. So then out of our hearts, out of the abundance of our hearts, the things that we share, the things that we say are going to be things that are pure, things that are true, things that are led by the Holy Spirit and not by our own understanding or by our flesh. This account, we will witness two people who speak up because they have experienced God move. And these two people I'm speaking of are Rhoda and uh, the disciple Peter. There are several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning uh, in our short time. And the first one is a life affected by the saving grace of Jesus Christ will always tell others. And affected, meaning a life that has been infiltrated, a life that has been, uh, there's, there's been an alteration. Things have changed in your life because of the grace, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When this happens, you're always going to tell others. You can't keep someone quiet who has experienced the life-changing power of the gospel. There's just no way. If there's been a true transformation in your life you cannot just sit quiet. You will tell somebody uh, a large part of the time 
It starts with your, it could start with your immediate family. What better people to share uh, the loving grace of Jesus Christ and your testimony with than the closest people to you? Um, and if it's not your family, it's it's those close other close people around you, maybe friends, maybe distant, some relatives that, you know, you don't see that often, or maybe it's, you know, uh, f- uh, friends, co-workers, but, but in any event, a life really, truly affected by the changing power of the gospel will speak up. The second main point this morning is even those close to us, even believers at times may doubt the miraculous power of God at work. Sometimes others will not believe an amazing miracle has taken place in our lives and they will just doubt. They will just have uh, you know, they'll be skeptical about what is going on in your life and what you're sharing. Many times people say, well, did you really hear from the Lord? Or people will say, the Lord told me this. And, you know, that's that's a slippery slope. You, you know, you it, it takes discernment to decipher whether or not someone's truly hearing from the Lord, whether you hear an audible voice or not. I mean, it's backed up by Scripture. If you look in the Scriptures and if the Scriptures basically are, are, are pointing to what this individual is saying and you see the truth in that, then it's fine. But this is the truth that at times those close to us may doubt what we are sharing about what the Lord is revealing to us or what we've experienced, a miracle that we've experienced in the Lord and even believers at times. The third main point I'd like us to focus on is once we truly believe the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, we are to continue to tell others about him. See, it's a continual thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's This is a lifelong process. It's not just a one-time deal and that's it and we're not supposed to share anymore. We are to witness to an unbelieving world. When we do believe and experience the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, we are not to we are not supposed to just stop with that. We are not just to supposed to be uh, a church that that sucks in and takes in, but we're supposed to be the church of God that that gives out what we take in. You see, it's this continuum. It's this cycle of you get poured into and you're poured out constantly uh, as as an offering to the Lord, as a, as a blessing to other believers and non-believers, just to the world around us, so people's uh, more people can be saved and 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 souls can be won for Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're. That's the focus this morning. And I'd like to take the remainder of our time to to look at these several verses. And, and break down exactly what is going on within these five verses in Acts chapter 12. So we'll go ahead and we'll start with verse 12. And I'll read it again. And it says, When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Peter had just had this incredible encounter getting released from prison. Uh, it wasn't like locked up. It wasn't like 60 days in where you go in and you have a correctional officer take you out. You know, it, what he was not let out by human hands. He was let out by a supernatural act. Uh, an angel of the Lord came and struck him on his side, told him to get up, roll up his cloak, do all this, get going. And 
uh, he he left, and then even the the gates uh, of of the city opened for Peter. This was a supernatural act. This this had to be one of one of the most amazing moments in Peter's life that he experienced, as the Lord had favor upon him and still had plans and work for him to do for the glory of God, and he was able to experience this. So he had just again, like I said, had this incredible encounter. When he had come to and he had realized what had happened, after I'm sure he may have pondered, he may have thought, he may have considered all the different things, he felt led by the Holy Spirit to seek the dwelling of other fellow Christians. And, and this is imp an important point to, to, to just bring to our attention because where do we go? Who do we go to when we have a, a great encounter with the Lord? When we have something going on in our lives where, you know, we're just, we, we just experience it on a deeper level, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Who do we go run and tell? Who do we go and find refuge with? Do we run to the world? Or do we run to the church? Do we run to other believers? I'm sure that you have to have, everybody here has to have at least somebody on speed dial on their cell phone when something goes down. It's This is the person that you call immediately and you have to tell them. Um, well, this is what was going on in Peter's uh, experience. And, and he went to the place where he knew other Christian believers, other followers of the faith of Jesus Christ were gathered together. This was the house of Mary. Now, Mary was the sister of Barnabas and the mother of John Mark. And this is this is uh, the John Mark who actually wrote the book of Mark. There's no doubt that there was a strong bond between Peter and Mark. And that is why getting to this destination was a first choice. And it's also been pointed out uh, in, in commentaries, and if you do some kind of deeper studying, you'll find out that this uh, this location of this home was actually in a convenient place. It was it was close to where Peter was released from. It wasn't you know extremely far where he would have had to travel for an extended amount of time, like meaning um, it didn't take him weeks or or months to get to this location. It says that it was in the night where many were gathered together and pray, uh, prayed, excuse me. So they were praying. The early church understood their best bet in any circumstance was to pray. The power of prayer is indispensable. And even with the situations that we have going on now, uh, and, you know, and even in Santa Clara County, you know, uh, they're mandating that groups that are, are, are more than 35, they're, they're basically mandating that you can't meet. Now, just because we are not meeting physically uh, this morning, that doesn't mean that the power of God is still not at work. That doesn't mean that as believers in Christ, we are to stop praying, right? Um, ever since this whole uh, thing of this outbreak broke, as far as every believer in Christ is concerned, that should be something that you know we're we're praying and, and we're seeking the Lord on as far as praying for the 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 society the different society, the different cultures and countries that are affected by this and even now in America the you know the number of people that are affected the number of communities that are affected um, you know again I don't want to bash on people that seem to think that 
running and grabbing all kinds of supplies is going to be the best option. But you know what we have and we serve the true and living God. And so uh, prayer needs to be on the highest, uh, uh, on the top of the list of our priorities, what we're doing, what are we doing? Are we, are we bringing these things to the Lord? Are we bringing our concerns? Are we bringing our cares to him? Or are we trying to fix things on our own behalf, on our own merit and that will never work out good. I, I know for myself personally, I need the hand of the Lord involved in every aspect of my life or else I'm going to fail miserably. And that is just the way life is. The application for this, what does this mean in our lives today? Well, when dangers increase around us, our friends and our family whoever is around us, we should become, again, like I said, more fervent in prayer. Uh, this week, I mean, there's just this week has just been madness, I'm sure, for everybody. You, everybody started off the, the week Monday, you know, it was fine. Uh, Tuesday, it, it just it just got crazier. I know this week with my wife, she was fine. Everything was fine Monday. Tuesday was just crazy. She had like seven dizzy spells from the time she was at work till the time driving home. We ended up going to the ER at seven o'clock at night at, at uh, San Teresa Cottle. And, you know, we didn't get out of there till after midnight. And uh, just this whole thing that, you know, she saw her primary care doctor and it's just, they basically said it's stress. You know, it, your, your body's given out because you're just, you're, you're under so much stress that your body, your mind's fine, but your body just can't take it. And it was just, I mean, it was just crazy. Just, you know, just going through that whole situation. And then again, uh, the whole thing with the coronavirus, you know, I, I'm a big sports guy. And so for a lot of people, you know, the, the sports industry is shut down from, I think the only thing that's going on right now is the UFC. They said that they're going to have their, their fighters fight, uh, but there's not going to be any fans in the stands. I know for the NCAA, they started off and they said, well, you know what, we're going to have the NCAA a tournament, but we're not going to have fans. Then all of a sudden, the next day, I think it was it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Then they said no, it's shut down for for good. Uh, the NBA, they were going to continue. I think I watched a game Tuesday night. Um, you know, Wednesday came. A couple players from uh, you know the Utah Jazz ha had come out and they said that they actually contracted the virus after being tested, or they caught the virus. Excuse me. And so the NBA shut down and and it follows suit. And here we are. Sunday morning. And, you know, if you had plans to go to Disneyland, you're not going to Disneyland right now. They're shut down. Disney World shut down. Broadway shut down. I mean, uh, in America, you know, as we see, uh, you know, entertainment and, and the way that people pass time, all these things are closed down because they're trying to curve and contain this. And I was talking to a coworker of mine, actually my job. So Friday, we had a mandatory meeting after work and the superintendent of Santa Clara County of the school, even though we're private school, they mandated that we be shut down. All these schools are shutting down. We're shut down. I'm, I'm not working from now until April 6th unless the superintendent comes in and talks to my board of directors and says, you know, there's there's been a change. We're going to extend this uh, lockout or, or this closure uh, of this school, you know, that's what it is. And, and many people in that industry, in the education uh, field are not going to work, you know, and, you know, it, it is what we have to do as far as uh, a society, what people think is best. And, you know, we have prayed about it. 
uh, you know, it was a big deal. Are we going to open the doors on Sunday? We had had Christy make a little digital flyer earlier in the week and kind of just let people know, hey, if these things are going on, please don't come. But again, uh, you know, the reality is render to Caesar what Caesar's and, you know, we're mandated by the county of Santa Clara not to meet. And so we're not meeting. But praise God for the technology that we can still get the word of God out. And we're praying. And this all goes back to this idea of what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be praying, praying that the hand of God move, praying that he would make it possible that sooner than later we could meet again face to face and be able to fellowship in that way. While life remains, while we are alive, while there is blood pumping in our veins and our hearts are, are beating, we should pray. And even when there is no human hope, we have no power to heal or deliver, still God may intervene as he did here in this instance with Peter and Rhoda in answer prayer. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, this is definitely a, a, a verse I would consider a life verse for for me personally, and I'm sure many of you love this verse too, but it speaks so profoundly to not only this time that they were in, but I but I would say for us today, in the state that we're in, in the state that society's in, the things that are going on in the world, the 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 un the uneasiness of not knowing what is going on, just let this verse comfort you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You see, and that and that and that's 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 it right there. Because when you have Jesus Christ, who is peace, you have peace living inside of you on the inside. You're not gonna be led to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and in thanksgiving, thanking the Lord, praising him for his goodness. That's why, you know, I just love when, when you know, the Lord is just moving upon my life. And, you know, when I, when he leads me to pray about things, the first thing out of my mouth is thanking him. It's not what I want. It's not what the prayer request is, but it's simply thanking him for who he is, thanking him for his precious blood that he shed for me, that I don't have to, I don't have to be in hell. I don't have to be apart from him for eternity, but I have a final resting place where I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be hidden in his bosom. I'm going to be close to him. I'm going to have this tight-knit relationship, and I'm going to have the peace that passes all understanding for all eternity. And my my sins have been forgiven, and my soul has been saved. For that, I'm eternally grateful. And there's no way that when I'm in my right mind, you know, submitted to the Holy Spirit, that I can start a prayer without thanking him. It just doesn't, it just doesn't line up. It's not in the order of how God has things. And we see this here in scripture with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, but we're supposed to pray about all things. Amen. All right, let's move on to uh, verses 13 and 14. And it says, when he knocked at the door, uh, of the gateway, this is Peter now, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. All right, so things are starting to unfold a little bit more. We know that Peter had miraculously escaped prison. Now he went to uh, this this place, to Mary's house, where a bunch of believers were, were together. They were praying. And now we're introduced 
to this girl named Rhoda. She was a servant girl. She was recognized actually as a damsel. And a damsel, you know, you hear that damsel in distress, you know, you think of some romantic thing and Rapunzel in the tower and long hair and all that. But but the word damsel actually means female slave. So she was a female slave. That's what she was. It says here in the text that she was a servant girl. Her name was a Gentile name, and this name Rhoda means rose. That's the that's what the definition of her name means. As a servant girl, it was a custom for her to open doors for guests and strangers, like uh, you know, like I guess I don't know, kind of like if you're well off and you're you're you know you're you're wealthy and you have a butler. I think of Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Jeffrey, you know, in the tuxedo. He'd go to the door. He's answering the door. You know, Phil wasn't answering the door. The wife wasn't in answering the door. Ashley wasn't answering the door. You know, uh, Jazz, the you know, uh, Fresh Prince's buddy wasn't answering the door. You know, the butler in the tuxedo was answering the door. And this is the same kind of idea here with Rhoda. She would have normally went to the door and, and answered it. And I don't know if, you know, they don't have, they didn't have peepholes back then. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they said, you know, knock three times if you're so-and-so. But in any event, she would go to the door and find out who it was. And if they were welcomed in, she would let them in. And so this is what was going on here. This isn't, this is accurate because this home, again, was described as being big enough to hold a large prayer meeting. So there would be a servant girl living there because uh, this, this home, it wasn't a shabby shack. It wasn't a hole in the wall. It wasn't a studio apartment. That's not knocking anybody that's living in a studio apartment. That's just saying it was a, it was a bigger establishment. It was a bigger home that you could, uh, you know, it was a venue where you could house and have many people come in. So it's not far off to to understand that, yes, there would be a, a servant girl living in these quarters. And when I think of this, Peter coming to the door and Rhoda being excited and Peter knocking, when I was studying, you know, as I was studying this week, I, I just couldn't help but but my mind instantly went to Roman, excuse me, to Revelation chapter three, verse 20. And that whole verse about Jesus saying he stands at the door and knock and he knocks. He knocks at the door of our hearts. He knocks at the door of our hearts. And, and, and if we allow him to come in, he will dine with us. And, and he will call us friends. And and, and, I, and I, I see Rhoda, she had the faith to believe while others didn't. She had the faith to believe that this was who he said he was at the door, that it was Peter standing at the door knocking of Mary's home. Two things stand out in this description of what happened. The first one is the people praying and the one answering the door were actually working in one accord. Being a servant in a Christian home, most likely Rhoda was either a Christian herself or she was on her way to becoming a Christian. I believe if she was a Christian that she probably was praying with the others. And when Peter came or when the person came to the door and knocked, they would have naturally said, Rhoda, get up and go get the door. You know, um, this is what was going on. The Lord you see, used her simple act of answering the door to help a man of God dodge danger, which still followed him. You see, uh, that's the other side of it. See, we're, we're seeing all the glory 
and the 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 the, the success of Peter as he was miraculously taken out of prison. But remember, the other side of it is Herod wanted him dead. Herod wanted him killed. And we'll actually see uh, next week in next week's message what actually happens to the soldiers who were guarding Peter. There, it's not going to be a good look for them. But so the other side of it was, as Peter's escaping, as Peter's finding refuge with these other believers in Christ, I mean, Herod, once he catches wind that, that Peter bounced and he, he, he escaped, he's going to be hot on his trail to find him and for sure kill him because he wanted him killed in the first place and he got away. So th this act of, of Rhoda understanding that it was Peter and her act of faith to respond, believing who he was, she played an instrumental part in, in helping Peter find refuge and continue on with the purpose that the Lord had for his life. The second uh, focal point in, in, in this passage here is because she was so excited to hear it was Peter, she ran back to tell everyone. Because she was so excited. I mean, she, she had to be. She was ecstatic. She didn't even open the door. She was so, have you ever been so excited about something that you kind of just forgot what you were doing for the moment and you were just celebrating and you were telling everybody it kind of, it just reminds me of something like, you know, like you know, my son gets something for, for his birthday or something that he's been wanting for a long time and, and, and he actually gets it and he receives the gift and he's just so excited. He just wants to run around the house and tell everybody that he's got this great thing and you know he doesn't even open it at first. He's just so elated and so happy he just has to tell somebody. Well, this is the same thing going on here with, with, with Rhoda. She was so excited that she had to go back and, and tell everybody else that was praying. And I'm sure one of the main things that they were praying about was for Peter's release. And so here she is experiencing Peter at the door, and she can't help but tell everybody. She couldn't contain herself. You see, when you and I first got saved, we were so excited and pumped up to tell everyone and their mama about Jesus Christ. I mean, you couldn't keep our mouths closed. You know, we wanted to share. We we had to let people know, man, what G, who Jesus Christ is, what he's done in my life, how I've been saved, how my life has been transformed. And 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 that's that's the heart that we should have. But you see, this is what happens. Sometimes after you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you can either burn out or you can lose your excitement and zeal about the good news. You see, and that comes from just, oh, I know it already. I, I know about the gospel. I know about the good news of Jesus Christ. I know about uh, the, 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 the tomb was empty. I know that he went to the cross and died for my sins. But you see, if we don't have this constant, everyday interaction with the word of God, if we don't have that, then we're going to wax cold. We're going to not have that fervor and that hunger and that desire because we're being filled with other things that are occupying our time. And there has to be during every day that you're alive, time that you carve out for just you and the Lord. And that's getting in the word of God, hearing a message, listening to worship music, fellowshipping with other believers, getting out there and whoever is in your sphere of influence, you're sharing the love of Jesus Christ with. I mean, that has to be the focus of your daily routine. And if it's not, we can find ourselves in a place where we've been walking with the Lord 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 
and we just don't have that hunger and that desire anymore to share the love of Christ with other people and share who Jesus is with others. You see, we don't want to be like the church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation, where the Lord described them as neither hot nor cold. And he said he desired that they would be one or the other. But because they were lukewarm, he was going to vomit them out of his mouth. So you see, as for us as believers, it's better that we be either hot or cold. Either be for him or not be for him, but don't, but don't profess Christ, but then your actions, my actions don't even reflect the principles and the, and, and the ideals of what Jesus stood for and what he lives for because that, it doesn't match up and it's just a bad look. It's almost like becoming mechanical when it comes to witnessing to people. We don't want to become like this, uh, you know, like witnessing to people becomes a quota. Like we'll just say, well, as long as I witness to three people this week, I'm okay. And the thing is, it's not formulaic. It's not about a formula. It's about being organic. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit and not, you know, we want to serve Jesus Christ. We don't want to serve a vision. You see, that's the difference between King David and Saul. Saul served a vision, and while King David served the true and living God, and that's why David was, again, mentioned and noted as being a, a man after God's own heart. Well, Saul, all he sought was a vision. All he sought was a, a certain direction, and he served that, and he lived for that. And we don't want to live for that, We and we can get wrapped up in that, and that's the thing. Something, something as good as witnessing, but when we make it as you know, we chastise ourselves because we didn't do it or or I didn't spend an hour in my Bible. You know, that's not it's not about that. You know, it's not about that at all. Again, it's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we truly have a, a, a true, vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be freed of all that anxiety. You're going to be freed from that guilt. You're going to have the freedom to serve him and have a relationship with him. And, and it's not going to look the same technically like that. You know, every day, um, the, the principal things stay the same, but the way it happens is going to be different. And it should. It should. We shouldn't think that it's going to be the same way every day. And I have a big problem with that. The Lord is definitely working on my heart in that. The application. So what does this mean for us today? Well, it's simply this. Don't let your hunger and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ ever burn out. And again, you do this by daily praying, studying the Word of God, and fellowshipping with Him and other believers. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 tells us, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And again, I just have to bring it back to what's going on in our, in our society today. And, and, and this is the thing. Do not let what's going on in the world around us decay your faith in Jesus Christ. If anything, it should kickstart you and me into having a deeper desire to want to know him. If any, I mean, if, if this whole situation that's going on, this worldwide pandemic, if this is not waking you up to want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't know what will. You know, this is something that I personally have never lived through in my lifetime. This is something that, you know, something almost out of like a sci-fi movie, whatever, where, you know, you see all this stuff going on. But it's like, what do we do when when times get intense? You know, we should be seeking the Lord and being fervent in prayer. All right, let's move on to 
Acts chapter 12, verse 15. And it says, this is the response to Rhoda saying, it's Peter, it's Peter, in all her excitement. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of going, there's a little back and forth dialogue right here. So, so, so she's telling them, hey, it's Peter at the door. Man, you got you to gotta believe it. This is crazy. And, and they're saying, you're out of your mind. You don't know what you're talking about. She kept insisting that it was Peter. And they said, it's his angel. There are a few things that stand out here. The first thing is, these believers were told clearly the truth but yet they didn't believe the message or the messenger. When you think about it, this is actually what happened to Jesus Christ. He came to earth. He told many about who he was and the only way to go to heaven. But only a few believed him, while many disregarded him and his message. You see, the second point that stands out to me is this, is that she was insistent. Rhoda was persistent. She did not give up. She didn't just sit there and say, oh, you didn't believe me. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to tuck tail and I'm going to sulk and I'm going to have a pity party. No, she stood by her ground. She stood her ground. She stood faithful to her conviction and said, no, it is Peter. It is Peter. She didn't have to defend herself, but she made it crystal clear that yes, it was Peter. The application for us today is we need to be resilient. Well, the name of this church is Resilient Life, so it should go without saying if you call this your home church that you should be you should have a resilient spirit. I mean, you do have the, a resilient spirit. The Holy Spirit is resilient. You look at Jesus Christ. He's the definition of resiliency because his life he laid down. I mean, he defeated death. He defeated the grave. And now where is he? He's at the right hand of God in the most honorable place and he's interceding on our behalf. He's conquered everything. He's greater than any of your problems, any of your doubts, any of the things that are hindering you in your life. He's greater than all of that. He is resilience. We can't just run away when times get tough. We need to press into the Lord more when times get tough. And I'm sure, again, Everybody can relate to times being tough and being uncertain right now. And this is the time to press in to the Lord more than ever. Amen? Amen. The third point that I see here is many times God will use the most unlikely candidate to convey his message. You see, because Rhoda was a Gentile and a slave girl, the other believers may have thought to themselves, what does this girl know? What does this slave know? She's obviously imagining things. But despite being a slave, being a female, and being young, Rhoda is an example of faith in action. She spoke up. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And this is just a side note, but this is something that struck me very, uh, very strongly about this, 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 these couple verses in this passage is that it's interesting because we just read last week of how the church prayed earnestly for the release of Peter. But yet when the prayer was answered, 
they couldn't believe it. Does this describe you? Praying for your miracle? But it may come in a way and a manner that you did not expect. And when it comes, do you believe or do you not believe it? Lastly, the text goes on to say, these other believers, they figured that this person or this, 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 the, whoever was at the door, it was actually Peter's angel. You see, back then, the Jews believed in guardian angels, and they also believed that these guardian angels bore some kind of resemblance to the human that they were assigned to. And since they, they, they were earnest in their prayers, but they were in some ways lacking in faith to believe that Peter could actually be at the door, they just chalked it up to, well, it's his, it's his angel. It's an angel. It's, it's not Peter. Uh, but this wasn't so. It was actually Peter in the flesh, fresh from the prison yard, right there at the, at the front door. All right. Let's go ahead and look at these last few verses before we close out uh, this morning. And it's Acts chapter 12, verses 16 through 17. And it says, But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. We see that Rhoda and Peter were on the same page. Rhoda wanted to encourage the other believers by sharing the excitement of Peter's arrival, while Peter wanted to encourage the other believers by sharing what happened to him. You see, Peter was referring to James, the brother of Jesus, who was a prominent figure in the church at Jerusalem. So what is the application for us in this? The fact that Rhoda was so excited to tell the believers, and then Peter was so excited to explain to the believers what had happened, and then he he had you know shared with them, almost commissioning them to go out to tell James and tell the other brothers what had happened. The application is this. Whatever the Lord has done for you, you should be unashamed and willing to tell everyone about it. The simple fact is this. Has Jesus Christ saved you from hell? Has he healed your body? Has he restored your family? Has he provided for your needs daily? Has he blessed you financially? If so, you need to speak up about it. Don't hide it and don't bury it under a rock. Don't 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 hide your light under a bushel as as Matthew 5:16 says, let your good works shine before men so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. You don't just keep silent about these things. You speak up, you speak out. Obviously in love, in a manner which is conveying the truth the way God would have it, not lording over someone, not making, you know, not not being prideful about it, but in a way that's conveying the true genuine message of the love of Jesus Christ. Speak up about what the Lord has done in your life, because a truly changed life in Christ will not be ashamed of him, but will point every person to him. You see, John the Baptist was a perfect example of pointing others to Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John 
answered the people saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. You see, John the Baptist got it. He understood that it's been what's been done for me has been great. I'm going to point everyone to the Messiah, not to myself. But in order to point others to Jesus Christ, we must first know him ourselves, and then we must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and allow him to do the direction and the work in our lives to share with others what we're supposed to share. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and go before the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, just thank you again for uh, this passage, Lord, thank you for the scriptures that speak to us in so many different ways, on so many different levels, every day of our lives. We're so thankful for this this book that is so sacred and has, holds all your truths of how you wanted to reveal yourself to the world. Father, we are in a place in a time now where, again, as it's already been said, there's just so much uncertainty as far as the world goes. But we know that we are pilgrims, merely visitors of this planet. This is not our final destination. This is not our resting place. And Father, I pray for for every person under the sound of my voice that that they would take hold of the truth that you have for them, that they would hold on, that they would stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ and that they would not let go of who Christ is because you are our only hope. There is nothing else that we can look to for any kind of of support for any kind of solace for any kind uh, 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 of 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 keeping us lord but it's only you it's the blood of christ and so i pray that you would just invigorate faith lord to grow that you would stir up in the hearts of your people a desire to know you better and that we would do the work we know we're not saved by works but works are a reflection of a of a heart changed in you and and we should be hungry for you we should want to uh serve you more and to serve other people and there's there's so many people that are in need today lord and i pray that we would be mindful of this and be mindful of of just what's going on around us and that we would be led by you to do the things that you call us to do and that we wouldn't be shaken lord by the circumstances surrounding us and so father as your word has gone out, I pray that it falls on fertile ground. I pray that uh, your, your your word would just fall on good soil and that it would bear much fruit. Lord, help us to mature in our faith. Lord, help us to live out our faith and share the love of Christ with those around us. Father, we thank you and we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.